Hello again. I'm Steve Longo, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Rock and Roll Show and Tell, coming to you from the No Gloom Ballroom. Today, part one of my chat with Rick Emmett, lead singer and guitarist from the Canadian rock group Triumph. Stick around. Most of you know I live in southwest Florida now, and one of my favorite places to grab a bite to eat is Jason's Deli. Scott and Diana Willis have been in business here for over 20 years. The truth is, Jason's Deli has bigger choices of better food. You can eat healthy and enjoy the taste of quality ingredients. They're open seven days a week for dine-in, pickup, or deli delivery. With four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida, they are a must-try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. I'll tell you what, it, is, uh, it has really been a lot of fun doing the show, and um, this is really, it's, <laughs> uh, I've lived my life on a stage, but this is a much different um it's a much different platform. Um, and just like anything, any stage that I've ever been on. Um, There's an asshole next to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't even know how to respond to well, that. Well, I just couldn't, you know, at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Uh, I I couldn't let it go by. No, I today. You know who you're talking to? I just (laughs) I just I just have learned to keep my mouth shut and don't say those things. Oh, but hey, you know what? It's the U.S. Open. Go for it. Right, I see an opportunity. Yeah, even at my own expense. Nice passing. Was that your? Well, yeah, but you know that was sort of. You took yourself down in order to take like five other people down at the same time. Oh well, my listen, God. Do we want to count? Oh, oh man, wait a minute. All right, let's count. Let's oh, count. No. no, come on, hang on. Count the assholes? <laughs> All right. We're not. Oh, okay. Let's I'm, you know what? Getting... You're the asshole in somebody's story. That's right. You are you. I know I am. I am. <laughs> and so are you. I'm telling it. <laughs> okay, so we're off to a good start here. Yeah. Um, this is going to be interesting. Um, Rick Emmett, uh, Triumph, huge Canadian successful band. Um, I certainly know their hits. I don't know much of their history or so on and so forth. I do know that I think Rick uh, released more solo albums than he than they released tri- uh, Triumph albums. Um, yeah, and he uh, is a jazz player. Honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's got an eclectic um, musical style. It, it's all you know. It's which is I, you know, me guys. I mean, I I'm everything from uh, Sarah Smile of Birds of Fire. So you know, I, you know my playlist. But um, and so this will be very interesting because now, and <laughs> watch this, kids. Tell me I don't have it together. Um, well, he's got a book of poetry, which I have mine right here, and I, I've marked a couple of places in it. And um, 
I got uh, an advanced reader reading copy for promotional use, which is very cool. You know, I, yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there's some, you know, I read as much as I could in the time I had to, uh, to go through. I'm not freaking Oprah, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it took us like three months to read the book. The, John, yeah, about the, John the, and we were in it. <laughs> it didn't take three months. It didn't it take three months. months. Well, we would read a chapter. Again. Yeah, we were, we were going to wait for the movie to come out, but I was afraid, afraid I wouldn't be in the movie, so uh, we read the book. It's kind of like, um, you know, song lyrics. They're poems. Well, yeah, but it's but there's some, yeah, you know, I'm going to talk to them. We'll talk about it. I'm going to ask some questions. Don't ruin the surprise. I was just looking at it for the pictures, <laughs> which is uh, interesting because I think art is in his uh, quiver of things to do. Um, so it'd be interesting to know. Yes. Uh, cartoon art. Is it cartoon art? Yeah. Like John's cartoon art? No, I'm well. Oh, no. He, character art, not, just, not people, yes. not caricatures. Yeah, a musician satire art for some magazine or something. Right, right, right. Like a like an R. Crumb type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, like you know what R. Crumb is. <laughs> no. <laughs> but. Well, you gonna look I, it up? You don't know. R. Crumb? I don't know what Rick's. What? I don't. I can't compare it to Rick's because I've never seen Rick's. No, 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 no. R. Crumb. No. All right, listen. Yeah. Is R. Crumb a mouse or a no? R. Crumb is the guy who uh, look it up. Just the it was a bad R? word. What the initial R? Yeah, R. C. R. U. M. B. I think or C. R. U. M. M. It's weird. His R. first Crumb. name is R. He's an author. Okay. Who knew you were so schooled? Uh. <laughs> like, uh pornographic that's not pornographic well a little yeah, that's not that uh, no but I, 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 never that. Saw, I never saw that uh-huh oh what about that one? Oh. <laughs> yeah well that's what, what i'm saying what do happy chicks do when all right. They do their thing. I'm sorry I even brought it up. I don't even. I, my mind is so shorted out now. I can't even remember how we got here. How about we go over to Ed Roth, Big Daddy Ed Roth, Rat Fink? No. How about we don't? Are right, you stuck on R. Crumb? No, I'm getting off of R. Crumb. Nah. It's on your computer now. You're getting, you're getting off on our phone? No, okay. I'm leaving uh, him. Is it time for a video? I think yes. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Wow. Very cool. Do that. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm okay. I, you know, suffering from having to watch myself, you know, as a young man doing crazy things. Oh, you sounded well, great. Yeah, well, first of all, it was a great performance. And second of all, um, what makes you think you're not a, you're still a young man uh, doing crazy things? I'm still a young man. Baby. And I'm doing crazy things. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm, I know... I consider myself to be a professional child, so you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So listen. Well, was um, it Brian Adams that said there's like large parts of me that are still seventeen or something? Always, forever yeah. seventeen, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess 17 was a good time. I'll stick with 17. That was a good, uh, good year. Yeah, uh, okay. That was 83. I, I would have been 30 years old. I would have wow. been 31. So, yeah, there we Were go. Were you in that crowd? <laughs> in that crowd? No. That was, that was L.A., right? No, where, where was that? That was, uh, well, sort of north of L.A., yeah, like um, San Bernardino or, you know, I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but, you know, outside of, of L.A., in, in in the hills, in the mountains, kind of. That, that wasn't the Us Festival, though, no? That, yeah, that was. Oh, it yeah. was? Yeah. yeah. Okay. May 29, uh, 1983, like 250,000 people or something, and then they were all... Re, you know, very stoned. Most of them were very, very high. Well, I understand that there was a, a mandate back then when you could do that kind of thing. Yeah. Stoned mandate. It was in San Bernardino. Uh, yeah, it was in San Bernardino. San Bernardino. That was it. What did I well, say? I'll, I'll tell you an interesting, you know, first of all, welcome to my party. I'm just up here floating in space. Thank you. And, yeah. um, but this, you would have been in New York in 83. I would have been, yeah. Yeah. So you weren't in L.A.? No, 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 no. I wanted to know if you were in the crowd there. No, and I said no. I was just, uh, I was going with our ages. It was my way of subtly dropping in that we're in the same age. Gotcha. (laughs) Guess who that is? That's my wife. (laughs) Lori. Yeah. Hello, Mrs. Longo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, Longo. She, uh, you know what? There's there's two ways of saying it, right? If we're in Italy... And I'm doing my fashion line. It's Luongo. Yes. But if I'm in New York and I'm playing drums, it's Longo. Yeah. Longo. In, in Canada, there's a, a chain of food stores, like grocery stores, that are called Luongo. And it's, really? it's pretty famous, pretty large, you know, big money. Like they're a rich family. But Luongo's wow. have been around for a long, long time. Yeah. So well, you wow. Well, you know, yeah. Spelled that way with the U? Yeah. Because yeah. you're related to all of the world. Yeah, because, well, I don't, I, I don't know if I can get here on my phone quick enough, but I'll make you laugh since you sat, since you brought it up. Because, oh, here you go. <laughs> That's my, I don't know if you can see that. That's my family. A little, that, to, a little to your left. Oh, yeah. Not your left. Yeah, that's the other. Yeah, you're getting a reflection from your lights. Yeah. Is that your family in Italy? Yeah, no, that's while well, they're here. That's my dad in the middle laughing with the, wow. you know, the. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, well, and my cousins. My grandparents were from Italy. Yeah. Um, my grandparents immigrated from Italy. That was, that was, um, that was, uh, Mike, um, Mike, yeah. Mike. The original Mike. Anyway, yeah. It's a. Cool. It's that. Yeah, it's a, I, so I got to go up and get my cut, right? <laughs> Your Canadian cousins. Yeah, my Canadian cousins. That's good. So, all right. So now that we've totally got, you know, I mean, gone off the rails, um, it, interesting because I got the book and I I, uh, I read some of the stuff and it's, at first glance, it's lyrical, but it's pretty deep. I didn't get through a lot of passages, um, but I got to two um, that I, you know, two that I just flipping to read and uh, Ticket to Ride. And what was the second? The There's actually a bunch of them. Oh, look. Okay. Oh, yeah. my, my dog has joined us in the capsule. 
<laughs> and and uh, pleasantly enough, he's wet. So let's, you know, party at my house. It's nice when they smell that way, especially in a small space capsule. You know, wet dog is 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 a good smell to have. Yeah, yeah. But he just yeah. had a bath the other day, so. Yeah, he's and he's still wet. The other day, no, and he's still wet. He goes in the pool every no, time. No, he goes yeah, in the Every pool. time you, t- he's, <laughs> he's a swimmer. and you know that's good for him. You know, it's <laughs> we've had a few of those kind of dogs in our life. The one I have now won't. She's deadly afraid of the water, which is too bad because she's got a little bit of poodle in her. Usually, poodles are, you know, they're pretty good with water, but uh, no, she she's scared out of her mind. Wow! Yeah, so, yeah. Well, he's uh, come here. Come on up here. The, the <laughs> one that I got is it's uh, a cross between an Australian Shepherd and a, and a poodle. Oh, oh, let me see if I can get this monster up here. There he is. Oh, Look there at that. He is. Is it a guy or a girl? He's a, a boy. Guy. Remy. Remy, and he sings. Yeah, he sings. In the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, that's your, that's your time. Okay, now. that's it. Now. More time. All right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. It's, yeah. It runs in the family. <laughs> the lion's not sleeping after all of that for soprano dog stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, um, I'll tell you what, when I decided to to do this show, you know, and everybody when the, everybody locked down. And it's funny because according to whatever information I got, you kind of uh, decided what, 2017, 18, you were going to pull it back a little bit. Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. My timing has been, you know, kind of immaculate during this whole thing. Like I had decided to uh, retire from uh, teaching at the college in, in the fall of sort of 2018. And then I I was still touring had my American visa as I had had every year of my life since whenever. And then I played my last gig in the States in um, the uh, December of 2018, uh, the last Canadian gig, January of 2019. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a hiatus now and I'm going to see what it's like to, to have a life where, you know, you're not gearing up to go out on the road every weekend. And, um, uh, yeah, and and I started uh, doing a lot of writing, and and uh, and then COVID came along, and so then I was doing a lot of writing. <laughs> what else was there to do? Um, and um, yeah, one thing led to another. I, I'd always sort of felt like I had a, a book of poetry in me, um, and of course, so much of my writing through the course of my life had always sort of you know veered towards. Even if I had poetic ideas, they they went towards lyrics. You know, and and uh, you talk, I, are you talking about pentameter wise, how, how they laid out as yeah, as lyrics? Well, yeah, like phrasing is a but. See, the thing, one of the big differences between writing lyrics and writing poetry is, and I discovered this going through the process. Not like I wasn't, you know, kind of intuitively aware of it before, but um, when you write lyrics, there's a form is 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 really. It's it, it's a it's a disciplined kind of thing. You you're having a you come up with a chunk of something like a, a verse. Well, now you got to get other verses to match. You come up with a chorus. The other choruses are going to be the same, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with poetry, 
you know, they kind of take the shackles off you and you can be a little bit more, and uh, not just form. You can also, your ideas can kind of be a little more elliptical and, and a little bit more, uh, the metaphors can stretch further. Because uh, when it's just words on a page, I think you can ask more of a reader and you can ask more of yourself than if you're just using a popular song. A popular song, you kind of have to structure it so that people hear it for the first time and go, oh, I get that. But a poem, you can go like, people read it and they go, what the hell is he driving at? And then they read it again, they go, ooh, I think I, I got a clue from this. Well, why did he choose this word for that phrase? And then people start going, I think I get this. You know, and maybe by the fourth or fifth read, they're going, oh man, yeah, this is like, I really like what this guy did. Now, not a lot of people, not everybody's going to stay with you through four or five reads, you know, but, but um, that's the difference. You know, that's one of the big differences between the forms. Well, I, I wouldn't say I've written poetry, but I've certainly written my share of, of lyrics and I get it from that point. And I mean, I remember, you know, when you had a choice of what classes you, you know, I took as much English and any of that kind of stuff as I could get to, um, for that reason, because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be a composer. I wanted to be a lyricist. And, you know, that's uh, yeah. so I get it. But um, now I touched on two pieces in here. OK, and I, yeah. I, I let me let oh, me. Did you hold the book up? What? Of course I did. Of course <laughs> I did. But I have a you know, I have. Um, I can do that. What no, is your I, wife's I, first I've name? got you covered. Okay. No, there, there's no no work for you here. You okay. just sit back and enjoy the ride. Oh, eh? look at that! Right? Ah, beautiful. I mean, really Very nice. Yeah. Oh, and I have mine, but that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's uh, it's interesting. Like I said, I landed on Ticket to Ride. Well, of course, I would be engaged by that, given our uh, our time on Earth. You know, I remember life before the Beatles, so yeah. that intrigued me. And then look, I think is the other one. Uh huh. I don't remember look. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> look up in the sky. The carbon and methane vultures are circling. Yeah. Carpenters yeah. of suffocation. Look down. The cockroaches are inheriting the earth. Yeah. That's look. Wow. Yeah. Look over there in the parking lot. Dogs are eating dogs. Look around us. The walls are closing in. Look back there. The past is gaining on you. Wow. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil the ending. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Steve, the ending is the same for all of us. <laughs> well, I know. I, I know that. Now, I mean, and we could go there, man. I mean, do you think that it is a definitive end or do you think it's a transition and everything is connected? No, I, I, well, I do think uh, on a certain level that all things are connected, but I think carbon-based life forms, and I think somewhere in the book it, it says this, you, you know, we are, um, the only thing that makes sense to me is that when we lose our senses, which is to say our brains are not working anymore, we're gone. Whoever we are, it's it's gone. And, uh, you know, I, it, I think the poetry... Well, first of all, let me say this. I think the poems and, and, and poets exist 
partly because what they're trying to deal with is our mortality. That's one of the big reasons that poets write poetry, because they're, they're just trying to figure this out. This Because a lot of it does not make sense. A lot of it is random chaos. And just to extrapolate on this, you know, you've had people storm the Capitol. Here in Canada, we've got an election coming up, and people were pelting the prime minister with gravel the other day. Like picking up stones and whipping them at the prime minister. And you just kind of go, okay, how can people be so brutally stupid that they could do this? And I... I love people. I Look at me on stage there playing to those hundreds of thousands of people. Like, I want to believe the best of people, but people keep disappointing me in horrible, terrible ways. And I think that's another reason why poets write. So back to, look, you know, here we are on a planet where the planet is starting to go, you human beings, what are you doing to me? You know, I'm going to visit an awful lot of horrible stuff on you. Uh, so you wake up and realize that you only have a finite period of time here to try and do good. Don't don't put all this junk into the air and don't eat up all my resources and don't kill the animals that exist. Anyway, so a lot of my poetry came from that. My, my swinging from how much I love people to how much... I'm becoming misanthropic, you know? Well, first of all, I mean, we live in a divided world. I, you know, I don't go into the politics thing. We have the no gloom gong and that whole thing, because <laughs> this is supposed to be the no gloom ballroom. But, oh, but yeah. people, it's, first of all, I'll tell you this. One of the things, and I labor over this a great deal because of the things that I read and, you know, I, I started other ones, but those are the ones that I really absorbed. Um, yeah. You know, there's darkness in there and with good reason. I mean, I, I get that. But there's a thing that I believe that I truly believe in my mind. Uh, I read a book uh, called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. You know that know book? It. It's, okay. It's Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. So wow, I, am, I am the one who sees. I believe that the, this thing, the carbon suit that you're talking about, and this dimensional reality, yeah, that's, you know, how long can you stay on the roller coaster? But I believe there's a whole nother park out there with different rides, and that's where I'm going. So I'm not afraid <laughs> of it. And I also realize that the only moment that really matters in, in the name of Ram Das is now, be here now, right? So now... Yep. You know, now none of those hey, maniacs are trying to break down into my house. No, Nobody has taken away any of my liberties or freedoms or any of that stuff. I am safe. I am I am uh, calm for now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think I, I think it is all connected. I think, you know, I, I'm not that I'm in a hurry. But I'm looking forward to whatever comes next. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, and I, I, I don't disagree with the, that Zen Buddhist kind of you know being in the now, uh, feeling the flow of things, feeling the connection of things. Um, Zen Buddhism, Buddhism doesn't necessarily, uh, in 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 many of its forms, they, they don't have an afterlife. There's really just the, the life that that they can uh, you know perceive as flowing through the now. Uh, but uh, to you know, to address some of the other things you raised. I mean, w one of the first things that I ever read that really made me go, oh, 
I, this this makes sense to me was Bertrand Russell, and he's you know that was the birth of sort of agnosticism in in a, in a you know a humanitarianism in in a very strong way, and and um that made sense to me um, more than the idea of a of a kind of a, a cosmic afterlife or 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 even the idea of oh in this life I'm gonna um, try and 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 um, attach my my uh, my behavior and the things that I do towards earning the ticket to the afterlife. This is a big thing that I think it, it, it destroys a, a lot of human potential that they spend so much time and energy chasing something that's, you're not even sure that's going to happen. And I tend to be a little bit more agnostic about that and go, look, sorry, I'm not buying that. What are we going to do now to make now good? Let's make now good. Let's not worry about where we're going to be after we die. Because uh, that's the last thing I'm worried about. Yeah. I believe me, and and I'll tell you what I had a I had a near death experience. Um, how long ago? Thirty seven years ago. Uh, uh, yeah, in eighty four. Right. Yeah, eighty four. Um, some idiot dropped a twenty uh, two pound metal plate off of a bridge. It came through a car that I was driving in at the time, and it you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, but I, I also was told another thing: they, uh, until it's your time, you're invulnerable. So I mean, yeah, you can go the whole Zen way, but when this thing happened to me, and I'm not telling you what it was because I don't know what it was, but I was somewhere, and I've heard other people talk about near death experiences or after, and believe me, I'm not one of those guys that has twenty ghost stories, but but I I was. It was incredibly peaceful. There were colors without light is the only way I can explain it. And I, but I couldn't really see anything. However, I felt like there was a low ceiling and the expanse went on like a bowling alley. You know how it's low and right. And, and then I remember being sucked out of that like a vacuum and trying not to come, not to be taken out of it and coming back out of it. And all of a sudden it was broken windshield and bloody girl. And it was you not know, me, not you. No, uh, and Bruce, no, that would have been bloody yeah, girl. Heart, punctured lungs, six. Yeah, it was. But we don't want to go there. It's just. I don't know. Yeah, For a no gloom capsule, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? This, this, okay, you can, you can go. <laughs> there we go. The no there you go. button. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you recovered fully and made it to your space capsule. You know. Um, I did. Yeah. I, did. I, I. You know. I. I. Um. And well, you know, people are just gonna have to get my book and read it, and then they're gonna get a sense of the 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 wide range of of the fact that you know. I'm dancing around it in in a thousand ways. You know. So it's in it's on Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. How do they get it? By ECW Press, uh, you know, and we'll post all this on the site, by the way, for people that are interested. And if you're a, you know, if you're a fan of poetry, or maybe even if you're not a fan of poetry, um, this is. I'm looking forward more and more to reading this because it's words are powerful, and I think. I, the, I wrote the. There, there's a lot of levels that it works on. I mean, it, it was autobiographical a, a great deal of it. Ticket to Ride, for example, was really about the fact that my dad was yeah, old that. and had dementia, and and you know there was uh, taking care of him. And he's since passed away. 
And, you know, I've written right. Ticket to Ride PS, like, you know, now that he's gone, you know, uh, how do I see things now? Um, so th- it's, it, that autobiographical thing is part of it. But uh, another thing, too, was that, um, you know, my son had said to me at one point, sitting at the dining room, uh, yeah, the like, kitchen table, oh, Dad, you should write a book because you always want to talk about politics and religion and all the things you're not supposed to talk about. You, you should write a book. And so the book is divided into sections that sort of one of them is kind of political, one of them is about religion, one of them is about being a rock star and, and you know, be, you know, uh, the life that I've had, you know, uh, and how I had to keep reinventing myself over the course of it, you know, which we all have to do. Yeah. No, that's I was going to say, that's the trick. That's really the trick. I, I mean, if you I don't know how many guys you know, we're all lifers. We're all, we'll all be this This is what we are. This is what we do. And if you truly are, you know, a lifetime member of our club, you have to figure it out. It's not like, Oh, well, I didn't make it. I guess what now donuts. I don't, you know, it's uh, cars. I'm not, you know, what comes next? It's you have to die. At least in my case, I have to be in this business when uh, the reason that I, uh, backed off from touring. I had done a reunion with a band that I was with for 25 years. Um, and, you know, this has gone back to 2017, December. And then uh, the following year, I think I was still touring with, with Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. Uh-huh. And then I 27, I, no, it was 17. Yeah, it was 17. It was after Xander was 16. I was developing a fashion line based on my original art. Cause I've always been an artist like forever, even before music, I, you know, I was scribbling and things. And so all of those things that we did for enjoyment have been recycled into our lives as, you know, points on our resume, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, it's just, just about creativity for, you know, like, I might have retired from the road, but I certainly am retired from playing guitar. You know, uh, th- that is like lifeblood to me. You know, I have to do that. Uh, I would lose my mind if, if I couldn't, I think. Uh, but also writing songs and then now writing poetry. And, and uh, I mean, I wrote for Guitar Player Magazine. Uh, I, I've, I, I, you know, I'm a prolific email writer. I have a, a, a members forum on my website. And I answer folks, uh, their email there all the time. Like, I just like to communicate, you know, uh, on, on yeah. different levels. And um, um, I've always been able to earn, earn a living from it, you know. So, Yeah, well, that's kind of the blessing in the whole thing or the, you know, the, the good luck in the whole thing is that to do what you love, it, that's, a, you know, when when you have to do something to survive, to pay the mortgage or pay the car or whatever it is, um, it's a lot different than if you have to do something because you're compelled internally to do it. That way, then the money doesn't even matter. Of course, it matters in the real world. But I've seen more guys go broke, willingly go broke, pursuing that inner need that I have you know, leave the business at 30 and uh, do something else that was successful. You know, it's a, it's a yeah. weird yeah. issue that guy. Yeah. yeah. I think part of it too is, is the, your own definition of success, right? Like, 
what what is actually making you happy what is actually making you feel fulfilled and you're talking about you're hearing the voice calling to you you're, you know the the work calls you and I, when i taught at the college and you know some people might look at that and say oh you know he was he was becoming a teacher he, he was why did why wasn't he you know putting on spandex pants and jumping around on stage but the thing was that I, I loved that. I loved uh, being around uh, young musicians who still had idealism and, and who were going to kick my ass about things that I might not listen to or get around to. Uh, and I, I was on a faculty with unbelievably great jazz musicians and stuff. So there was there was a there was a a community there that that I really loved being a part of. Um, but and that called to me that spoke to me just as and i would say to those students look when you're uh writing something and when you're composing a, a piece of music at a certain point if you're if you're getting good at what you're doing then that work is going to start talking to you and telling you what it wants to become your ego gets out of the way and the work starts to tell you what it wants to be and what it wants to do and that's when you're, you know you're on the right path because you're being you're being called and it, as opposed to vocation it's avocation you're being called you know so. well yeah it's it's it, you're compelled to do I'm compelled to do it I I said Sam you know and I've told this story way too many times but I announced to a kid in school that I was going to play drums for the rest of my life after hearing the high school band do an assembly in my auditorium as a kindergartner or whatever yeah. and I, I mean how do I even know what that is I you know yeah. it's, but I don't know. Hey, have you I seen that thing? Uh, it's on Netflix called Count Me In. Yes, I just I just watched it the other day. Unreal, eh? Wasn't it great? Yeah, it's <laughs> well, it's it, I think it's greater for not drummers than it is for drummers. Uh, yeah, because um, uh, be, because <laughs> it's there's so much to playing drums i enjoyed cindy blackman i i enjoy her groove but i didn't think that they got into the nuance of dry you know because i'm a drummer you know what i mean i think it was made for people that want to get one step closer to my instrument do you play drums at all no not really i mean you know I, what i've had the great distinct pleasure of doing is is playing with great drummers randy cook played with me uh, Paul DeLong played in my band and uh, the thing about the movie was I got to see Chad Smith and I, I produced uh, a band that Chad was in they were out of Detroit they were called Purple Gang and I did wow. sessions with them and I called them my, my wood chopper the guy when he would play the floor would be just you know filled with slivers of sticks and he would be going through them like crazy and he was the best thing about that band by far you know um and, the, you know, the second I saw him playing, I went, oh, this guy's destined for wherever he lands. He's no, going to make the band better. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, by any means taking anything away from the artists in the film. I mean, they're yeah, all, yeah. you know, uh, the what, what's I didn't name? know the guy that was who was the guy that was like with the shorter hair that was he was kind of the star of the thing. Uh, yeah, Pyro, he, he played with Pyro. Uh, yeah, yeah, Porno for Pyros. Yeah, or yeah the, Porno for Pyros. And the, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was he was a very in, like infectious 
kind of guy. Like I liked his energy. But of course, that's drummers for me. I think. Well, I was just going to say, we are, we are what I mean. That's what we are. You know what I mean? And I, it's funny. The the longer I've done the show, the more I realize how. E- I don't even know if it's idiosyncratic. We are so, I don't know, something in your DNA that makes you want to hit something with a stick. I, I you know, I, I don't know. No, but I, I, but I, look, 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 I've, looked, I've lived with them all my life, so I, I know drummers. You know, I'm going to tell you a great story because I love this story. Do you know who the uh, guitar player Kim Mitchell is? Yes, I think I, guy. So, yeah, so, yeah. so so Kim and I are doing a double bill and it was in upstate New York somewhere. And it was in one of those places where the stage is in the middle of a dirt track because they, they, you know, they would do horse and buggy races or, you know, like that kind of thing, yeah. horse races. Yeah, so like it's a big them. dirt track. And so the stage is such from the dressing rooms, they give you uh, golf carts kind of to, to be able to get out to the stage and go back to the dressing rooms. So we're doing sound check and it's a, you know, it's a hot summer afternoon. And uh, at one point, we hear this whooping and, and screaming, and, and Kim and I are standing together, and we turn and we look, and the, his drummer and my drummer, and both guys had played in my band for a while, Greg Critchley and, and, and Randy, and Randy Cook, and, and uh, they both played in his band. So they're, they're out, and they've stolen one of the, the golf carts, and they're out and they're driving on the track and there's a giant plume of dust and dirt coming up from behind and they're just whooping and screaming and it's like they're they're having the time of their lives with this stolen vehicle and kim is a big tall stork of a guy you know and he turns and he looks at shrimpy little me and he just goes hey fucking drummers eh <laughs> which was so canadian he goes yeah but fucking drummers eh you know what i I have a. Uh, we're, I like to stay with the theme. <laughs> okay. Of so, crazy drummers is that? Well, no, well, it gets better than that. Drummers, Canada, weed. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm touring with John Entwistle, and we enter Canada on the west side, and we're doing every province, all the whole thing. We're all the way across, and you know, back in that time, I was a. Uh, a regular uh, member of the Olympic pot smoking team, <laughs> trained by uh, Rastas themselves. All right, very good. <laughs> so, on on our way through Canada, I don't know anybody up there. You don't bring anything there. You don't do that. And so now, all of a sudden, I'm like twitching, right? <laughs> so we get to the East Coast. I don't know where, past Manitoba. Um, wherever we're almost to Toronto and my tour manager comes up to me and he, and he puts something in my hand and it feel it's a plastic bag and I can feel that there's organic so I, you know I'm hoping it's not mushrooms or something to eat and I said oh Billy man thank you so this is great and I went back went back to my room smoked a joint it was some hydroponic madness that you guys grow up there and i got so ripped i I got so i was i've never been that paranoid in my entire life i've i hid the shit in like five different places in my room i got down into the car with everybody to go to the club i'm I'm paranoid because there's like thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars in cash in the hotel safe and i'm thinking they're gonna smell the pot they're gonna bust my room they're gonna take the money and i mean i'm going so i left and went back and the next day 
I didn't want to just flush it down the toilet because it was incredible. Because you're coming back to Because I'm coming back to New York now. Yeah. And now it's got to go. And I see this van, like a, like the, you know, like a U-Haul looking yeah, van, like a Ford Econoline, yeah. and it had drums and congas and maracas painted all over it. And it said, drum for life. And I said, these guys will know what to do with this. <laughs> and I walked over there. They could see the tour bus, so they knew that it wasn't the FBI. And I said, listen, guys, I'm leaving town. I don't want to waste any of this. You don't have to look at it. I'm just going to drop it in your, in your van. And you can either kick it out and, or and drive away or whatever. And man, I have. They took it, yeah. Good story. Man. Yeah, it's legal here now, you know, Steve? Yeah. 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 Well, you can get it anyway. We have government stores that sell it. And in fact, here's a little story. My wife, the other day, she's cooking dinner and, um, she comes to me and she, 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 well, she sits down in a chair in the living room and says to me, Rick, you're going to have to finish making dinner. Turn the barbecue off and do the stuff. I'm kind of a little too high right now. I go, what? I love her. Well, she bought this stuff and she'd only had a couple of tokes of this stuff, but it was, uh, she said, everything turned purple. And, wow. pink, and I go, Purple haze. And she goes, I, I wow. think I had a purple haze moment. Yeah. She was in the purple gang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole rhythm section was the purple gang. Yeah. And do, do you know what that is? Do you know who the purple gang was? Absolutely, I do. From Jailhouse yeah, Rock. Bad boys. Yeah, but they were actually a gang in Detroit. Oh, that, I didn't what, know that. Yeah, and that's why the band called themselves that because they were from Detroit. So they call themselves the Purple Gang. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Hey, listen, I love you know some of those just historic threads. This podcast is brought to you by Jason's Deli, with four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida. They are a must try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. That'll do it for part one of my chat with Rick Emmett. Join us again right here in the No Gloom Ballroom for part two of my chat with Rick. Until then, I'm Steve Longo. See you out there.